We have some states who've made sudden changes to their election systems uh, at the last minute, and that is never a good idea. Isn't perhaps the biggest threat to your democracy the failure by the president to commit to accepting the election result if he loses? You know, that's a stupid question, really. A deeply divided America is heading for its election, with the polls showing many people afraid of violence after the vote. My guest this week from Washington is Ken Cuccinelli. He's the acting number two at the Department of Homeland Security, which caused uproar after reports that its agents used excessive force during recent protests in Portland, Oregon. Can his department keep the peace in this critical period? Ken Cuccinelli, welcome to Conflict Zone. Three weeks to polling day in the U.S. Can Americans have faith in their electoral system? Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, the most well-protected election we've ever had. And at the federal level, the federal government has different responsibilities than the states. We focus on cyber protection and dealing with nation states and people attacking the whole system. We've got better surveillance than we've ever had before on the system. And unlike four years ago, we have great communication with all 50 states and the District of Columbia about what we're seeing and the threats that exist. That didn't happen four years ago. So and all in terms the scare stories. We have all of our states participating in our surveillance effort, unlike only about a third of them four years ago. So all the scare stories about massive vote by mail fraud are simply untrue. Is that right? Now, let me be careful. I said the federal government focuses on the cyber threats, what you're describing, the kind of mail-in voter fraud, those sorts of things that I'll call more traditional voter fraud are still possibilities. And the states are responsible for policing that. The federal government does not participate in that except to provide them intelligence that we discover on the subject um, as part of our work. But that is a state responsibility and every single state system is different from every other state's system. So fraud takes place in one location at a time, one state at a time. And uh, obviously we do everything we can to support our state partners in policing that. Well, the FBI said that uh, last month the agency has not seen evidence of any coordinated national fraud effort, whether it's by mail or otherwise. You see any reason to doubt what the FBI has told you? Uh, certainly not at a national level. Um, of course, a month ago, voting hadn't started. Voting has now started. Um, and, you know, we, we all see news stories about one thing happening here or there in different parts of the country. And... You know, we're paid to be worried about that, but so far, nothing uh, large scale that we have detected. So what is it that President Trump knows that you don't when he says repeatedly, this is going to be the greatest election disaster in history, the most corrupt election in the history of our country, the greatest fraud in the history of elections? Where did all these predictions of a massively rigged election come from, or did he just make them up? I think he's concerned about particularly states that automatically mail out ballots to every registered voter and the concern that those could be collected up and sent back in by people to whom they were not mailed to, they weren't intended to go to. And we have some states who've made sudden changes to their election systems 
uh, at the last minute. And that is never a good idea. I don't care what party you are or, 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 or anything to be essentially trying out a new system, including your security, um, in a presidential election year, the biggest turnout year of them all. That's the concern. But what you're telling me is very different from his predictions, the most corrupt election in the history of our country. This is what he's forecasting. Very different from what is that you're a question? Saying. Yeah, it's very different from what you're saying. Well, I'm identifying the I'm just wondering of if you're on the same page and their and their entire and their entire states that uh, that are operating as I just described. Your threat assessment talks about the Russians trying to sow distrust in America's democracy. They don't really need to, do they? Because Mr. Trump has done it for them. How could the Russians possibly sow more mistrust in the democratic process than he has by predicting the greatest election disaster in history? Well, Hillary Clinton was has used similar language in describing uh, her well her advice to her follow-on campaigner Joe Biden and uh, in terms of after the election and so forth, candidates operate differently than everybody else and they have a role to play in the process and people will judge uh, their votes based in part on the sorts of things the candidates say. Uh, for Russia, to use your example, they have no such role and they have no such right to participate. Um, unlike the candidates themselves. So it's a very, very different situation. But the fact is that on the back of all this incendiary rhetoric, America is arming itself to the teeth in advance of this election, isn't it? FBI says firearm sales hit a monthly record of 3.9 million in June. How concerned are you about that? People are buying guns, people in your country who've never bought guns before in advance of this election. Yeah, I think that's more tied to the civil unrest. It has nothing to do with the election. We've seen that spike uh, since the civil unrest began in the spring, in May. And I will tell you that uh, in my state of Virginia, where I used to be the attorney general, I've heard from friends who used to be supporters of gun control and suppressing gun sales that they're buying those guns and they're changing their perspectives. So the civil unrest is really what's driving the desire for self-protection, uh, particularly when you see the attacks on law enforcement in this country that have taken place on such a wide scale and the fact that in some places, and I'll use again my home state, Richmond, the capital city of Virginia, um, where the police have not necessarily responded to uh, calls for help. So people realize that to a certain extent, they're on their own and they're preparing themselves for that. Mr. Cuccinelli, what's also causing concern is a survey this month which found that around a third of Americans justify some degree of violence to advance political goals, a third. You proud that four years of Donald Trump has led America to this? Uh, I think your conclusion is uh, foolish. Um, you know, the, uh, I'll use a simpler survey that just focused on college students where they believe, something like a fifth of them, and this was several years ago, that uh, the same conclusion, using violence was okay to stop people saying what they considered to be um, inappropriate speech. Um, it was interesting that overwhelmingly those folks identified themselves as liberal, so this is a left-wing phenomena in the United States, and, um, and it has grown regardless of Donald Trump. Uh, this has been a uh, more associated with Antifa and the kind of violence that they perpetrate against people that they don't like. 
You now have the Trump campaign calling for every able-bodied man and woman to join the army for Trump's election security campaign. This from Donald Trump Jr. You really want to militarize the election right, like this? We've already seen the FBI arresting a far-right group from the so-called Wolverine Watchmen who were planning to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Shouldn't that be a wake-up call about these militia groups and their actions in advance of this election? Uh, that actually was not a far-right group. Uh, initial reports, as usual, were wrong. Uh, but uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, we don't want to see any sort of violence associated with the election. We've had months of civil unrest focused in cities where they, frankly, don't give the police the authority to establish peace. Where that does happen, we in our country, we use the National Guard sometimes for that that peace has been restored, and that's what we want to see. And the president himself has been very emphatic about that uh, all over the country, regardless of, uh, regardless of politics. You comfortable about these militia groups forming part of the army for Trump's election security operation? Last month, militia group, one militia group set up illegal roadblocks and identity checks in Multnomah County, Oregon. Do you encourage this kind of lawlessness? No, you know, that's a stupid question, really. Um, of course not. And, and, and again, your connection between different parts, I'm not quite sure why you want to attack the president so much instead of assign responsibility for these things to the people who are responsible for them. But I, I just don't buy into the premise that underlies your question. Isn't perhaps the biggest threat to your democracy the failure by the president to commit to accepting the election result if he loses? His answer to the question was, we'll see what happens. How does that strengthen people's confidence in the electoral system in the U.S.? Much like Hillary Clinton advised Joe Biden, don't concede no matter what. So they're going to fight it out and they're going to have an election. And, um, you know, Hillary we'll Clinton's never been president, has she? And, and if, you don't, if you don't want me to answer questions, I'm not quite sure why I'm sitting here. Um, and, uh, and, and that'll play out. And, you know, you, like many others, have sort of bid on that, and um, the president has never, never given any indication that the outcome of the election wouldn't be exactly what the voters determine. It's what it was last time. It's what it's been every time in the history of the United States, and that's what it'll be this time. And the key for us, the key for this president, is that Americans decide that election, that we block out the interference of, of outsiders and that uh, Americans' votes are each counted and each counted once and properly, and the result will be what it is under our system. And we'll all move on with that on January 20th, regardless of who's sworn in as the next president. Let's talk about the threats you have highlighted. The acting secretary of your department, Chad Wolf, recently singled out violent white supremacist extremists as being a major concern. He said they'd been exceptionally lethal in their abhorrent targeted attacks in recent years. Um, how do you explain the fact that in the first debate talking about violent groups, the president said, almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right wing. Is he not seeing what right wing violence is uh, being promised and perpetrated around? Are you not showing him those documents? Uh, no, no. I mean, but in the last four months in this country, it's been just cities on fire. And that those are overwhelmingly left base, I'll call them protests, but really they're riots, looting, and violence. That's the problem. That's what he was talking about. Almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right wing. 
he refused to condemn a group called the Proud Boys, which were described by the Associated Press as a male-only group of neo-fascists who call themselves Western chauvinists. In fact, he told them to stand back and stand by. Are you happy that the U.S. president tells groups like this to stand by? Stand by for what? So again, you know, you've characterized a group, and I don't necessarily agree with your characterization. The pictures I've seen of members of that are Hispanic and black in addition to white. So, you know, you, you got to be a little bit more careful in discriminating and just smearing people like that. Um, you know, the president wants people to stay involved and stay engaged. He recently, in his capacity as president, not as a candidate, um, gave federal employees the election day off to work as election officials to help bring off the election safely and securely. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't hear you asking about that. Um, as a candidate, he encourages his folks to participate as volunteers, to turn out votes, um, to do all the kinds of things you need to win an election. And, uh, and he has two roles here, unlike his opponent. So he's playing them both vigorously and effectively. So how much of a threat are these militia groups who may well turn up armed to the teeth at polling stations to, quote, observe what's going on? How worried are you that people could feel intimidated by that and that violence could break out? You seem very complacent about so that. We have a, no, 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 you're hypothesizing with no information. Um, there is no intelligence today that a single polling place of our approximately, very approximately, 100,000 across this country um, is subject to any such threat. If we get that sort of intelligence, the FBI and its role as a, the protector of civil liberties against civil rights violations and threatening people voting would be a civil rights violation, would take that information and act on it. And they are prepared to do exactly that. Um, with respect to sort of pop-up violence, things that we don't see coming, state and local law enforcement officials are, as they have always been, responsible for taking care of that. We will offer them all the help that they can, that we're legally allowed, but the federal government is actually blocked by federal law from getting near polling places on election day, except on very, with very rare exceptions. Ms. Cuccinelli, your department is currently under investigation by the House Intelligence Committee after allegations that you and Acting Secretary Chad Wolf illegally manipulated intelligence to bolster Donald Trump's interests. A department spokesman has denied these allegations. Are they all completely false? Yes, they are. They come from a high-level whistleblower. And in fact, in fact, the, yes, in fact, the same person wrote an email um, only days before, uh, maybe a week before he left his then position, um, actually explicitly stating the opposite. So, you know, and, that, and the House committee knows that, they have that, and, um, but they have other interests here that are political. So, uh, but so far, every single allegation he made for which there is information has been proven false. And you never had meetings with him in which you told him to modify the section on white supremacy in your current threat assessment so as to make that threat appear oh, less ab severe? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you never expressed frustration with him? You take that threat him. very seriously. And you ex never expressed frustration 
with intelligence reports on Central America, the, and you had accused unknown deep state intelligence analysts of compiling. You never only you never how spoke slow they about went. That. Only how slow they went. In your view, does this administration pay politics with the threats facing the U.S., play them up or play them down for purely political reasons? Absolutely not. That's been a media narrative that's been very popular. And in, as someone who is at least a role in one part of it with the Department of Homeland Security, uh, in a year I have never seen that happen. What about the president's dire warnings about the caravan of Central American migrants heading towards the border in 2018? He tweeted that criminals and unknown Middle Easterners are mixed up with those people. Wasn't the slightest evidence for that, was there? Uh, no, there was. Uh, you know, it's a matter of degree in terms of how many. The most recent caravan had the same. Um, but our, our allies in Guatemala first and then Mexico uh, broke up that caravan and enforced their own immigration laws in such a way that those folks were returned home or turned away from continuing north. Well, Trump himself actually walked the whole thing back a few hours after he'd said it and said there's no proof of anything, but there could very well be. That's playing politics with the intelligence, isn't it? The, uh, well, he's a candidate for president. So, you know, we do have information about some of the people who come up in these caravans. It varies time from one time to another. You asked about 2018. There were a lot of caravans in 2018. There haven't been a lot of caravans this year. We've had one recently that I was referring to. And we do have information about some of the people who gather in those. And, you know, we make use of that. We share it with our allies along the way, and we work together with them to try to avoid um, large-scale illegal immigration, and to try to stick to legal immigration. You talked earlier about uh, the violence in some cities, and um, your, you, the president sent federal forces into Portland, Oregon, during some of these prolonged protests this summer. Um, you were asked about this violence on a radio show on October the 1st, and you said one of the worst parts of it is the encouragement it's been getting from so much of the left-wing political leadership. But in saying that, you seem to have ignored the fact that there have been some pretty blunt and frequent condemnations of violence from senior Democrats. Why didn't you mention that as well? <laughs> Wow, you, you ask questions like you're the communications department for the D Democrat National Committee here. Um, I said so many on the left, and I'll give you examples, as I did in that interview, I believe, the Speaker of the House attacking law enforcement officers but not condemning those who are committing the violence. Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland, Oregon, who went out to speak to the violent uh, looters, and, and they're not protesters, they're rioters. And, um, and he thought they were his friends, and they shouted him down and began uh, rushing his space. His own police had to declare a riot and, and rush him out of there. Uh, Governor Brown of Oregon, who in four months of, of violence has yet to use uh, her own National Guard. She has over 7,800 National Guardsmen whose part of their purpose is establishing peace in, in when there are violent outbreaks in her state. And she refuses to do it and instead condemns uh, the administration for protecting a federal courthouse and federal buildings in Portland, Oregon. That's So just to be clear, you mentioned adding officers in Portland. 
we were doing that to protect federal facilities. We don't just go into a city, even when they're violent, without the uh, agreement or cooperation of that city unless we have a federal mission to perform. So again, the first responsibility typically in quelling violence and dealing with it is state or local government. But where there are federal facilities and where federal uh, jurisdiction is attacked, we have to respond to that ourselves. Many of those who criticized the actions of your federal officers cited the use of excessive force. The American Civil Liberties Union said in August that your militarized agents used sharpshooters to maim people, swept protesters away in unmarked cars, and brutally attacked journalists, legal observers, and medics with sonic weapons and tear gas. They didn't spare moms, dads, veterans, nurses, or even the city's mayor. Was this law enforcement or punishment? So first of all, the characterizations you recited are false. Um, in Portland alone, our officers uh, incurred over 300 injuries, meaning we had, they were injured, not causing injuries. Um, and they were very restrained while dealing with violent protests night after night for weeks on end, um, with, often without the help, assistance, or support of local law enforcement because the local political officials, those same ones I mentioned earlier as encouraging this sort of behavior, ordered them to hold back. So uh, we used as minimal amount of force as we could to maintain safety and to uh, attempt to quell violence as much as possible. You didn't beat a Navy veteran for simply asking questions. Doctors were, weren't beaten yeah, as they gave medical support to the injured? Yeah, no, no one, that one didn't happen, thankfully. Uh, but uh, with respect to the Navy veteran you're referring to, that was the United States Marshals Service um, in the Department of Justice. That was not members of the Department of Homeland Security. So I, I can't really speak to the details of that. I can say that when a law enforcement officer is doing their job, <clears throat> they don't have the luxury of inquiring various job or life status questions like you just described uh, to determine if someone is a veteran or a mother or a father or all the various things you named. They don't have that luxury when they're under attack and trying to protect themselves. So are you satisfied with all the actions that your officers carried out then, despite the fact that the ACLU said DHS is too powerful, too abusive, and too much of a threat to America's democratic values? The American Civil Liberties Union has proven itself an extremely unreliable um, and non-objective characterizer of events. So, you know, your reliance on them says more about where you're coming from than what the facts were. Uh, we're very happy with how our officers performed. They were professionally restrained over months of, um, of violence directed at them and the facilities that they were protecting, including the people in those facilities, um, and uh, behaved very well. Uh, no one is ever perfect. We don't expect perfection, but they did an outstanding job. And part of that, unfortunately, is shown by the raw number of injuries they suffered over the course of that time while inflicting very few. Was, was the threat um, exaggerated? President Trump said of Portland, the entire city is ablaze all the time. That was August 31st. 
But it wasn't, was it? The fire service, city's fire and rescue service told him that in no uncertain terms. We're not ablaze in Portland, they said. There's a very isolated pocket of demonstrations that have involved fire, none of which has been substantial enough to need more than one fire engines. So did the facts get in the way of your narrative? Uh, no. If you just look at the federal courthouse, when they uh, on numerous occasions attacked the courthouse, broke front doors, you know, were tearing wood off, and were throwing liquid accelerant into the courthouse and attempting to fire commercial fireworks in to set it on fire. So they were trying to burn down the building and kill everyone in it. So, you know, you, you respond accordingly to that, and even with that kind of a threat, we never used above non-lethal means to repel those sorts of attacks. So that seems very appropriate under the circumstances. Had the federal officials not been there, that courthouse would have been burned to the ground. So the city's fire and rescue service didn't know what they were talking about? Uh, well, they've still got a federal courthouse and they don't have to drive to another state to have their cases heard because federal law enforcement officers were willing to come in and protect it. Um, there have been fires all over the city on various days and various places. Uh, it isn't just the federal courthouse. It's also police facilities, the police union facility, other local buildings, neighborhoods that they've gone through. So, you know, um, Portland's not a big city. That's an awful lot of violence over an awful long time. It, that includes, but isn't limited to, the setting of fires. Um, and, uh, you know, again, all over the city. So I think it's accurate to say there have been fires all over the city. That's true. Ken Cuccinelli, thanks for being on Conflict Zone. My pleasure.